Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Everything going on, that's good. I was so excited um, for my guys to come here, and I want to really honor all of you men of this campus because we're in a construction project. Stay standing. I'll be sit down just one second. And um, it's, you know, it's been arduous. It's been hard. It's been difficult. Uh, it's been longer than we thought by quite a bit. But I just remember that you guys for a very long time, you've done church in a tent. You've done church in a bar. I got to preach in the bar. That was one of the best days of my life. Come on. And now you're standing in the fruit of all of that hard work, this beautiful building. And I remember turn, making a left onto 2nd Street and just awakenchurch.com. And the, I mean, this place is exquisite. It is a, a monument in this city. It, it is, I mean, it, it is, Isaiah 2 says that in the last days, the, the house of the Lord will be on the highest hill. People from all over will say, come, let us go up to the house of the Lord and worship. And this building is that for this city. The most beautiful structure in downtown El Cajon is this church. Come on, I wanna just honor you guys. El Cajon campus, you're amazing. And I wanted my guys to see this place to know that's what's coming for us, come on. I also wanna honor Pastor Jake Schutte, what a leader, what a legend. Sorry, you're going to sit down in one second. I haven't forgotten. Just, just you're emerging, man. You'll be fine. I do, um, I personally have a very um, deep tie to this campus. You guys probably don't know that. But 10 years ago, before this was even a thing, we had like a campus and we met in the Boys and Girls Club in Carmel Valley. I was a total mess and disaster and moved from Texas to San Diego to go to graduate school um, in engineering at UCSD and um, had spent some time in the church but was so disgruntled and just so over church and my wife would, this is embarrassing but it's true, and uh, this is, you know, it's a safe place. This is a, a, the, the trust tree, right? Safe place. My wife would go to church and I would ride my bike to the sports bar on Sunday morning so I could watch the Dallas Cowboys. That was my level... That's where, that where I came from. That's where I was at. And finally, my wife convinced me to come to church, this church, and it was miserable. I hated it. It was very uncomfortable. I hated every ounce of it. But afterward, a very tall, handsome man reminded me of Jack Ryan. You may know who I'm talking about. Your pastor. Pastor Michael Hunley came up to me long before he was a pastor, just a guy that went to church. He said, hey, man, I saw you raise your hand, got a high card bunch of folks are going to come over to my place for a barbecue if you and your wife want to come tag along. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's nice. And so my wife and I drove to Pastor Michael Hunley's house at the time, again, just Michael Hunley, pulled up to the, uh, with, in, you know, in front of the house with my wife, and I was like, Katie, what are we doing? Like, we're 2,000 miles from home, just pulled up in front of a stranger's house, and we're just going to walk in. This is insane. And I was so disgruntled. I thought that church was like a place that people went when they couldn't make friends in the real world. And so they all got together at church, and that's what I thought church was. And I walked in, and I met, uh, I started talking to Michael Hunley. 
And I'm like, he's taller than me. He's more handsome than me. He's smarter than me. Also an engineer. And it was, it, it, it confused me because he was this man who loved God, was sold out for the church, but wasn't a loser. He was awesome. He was really cool. And it confused me. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense in my, my model of church that I've, and then he was like, let me introduce you to my friend Jake. And Jake's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm also a super smart, very handsome aeronautical engineer at General Atomics. I'm like, oh my gosh, two super awesome engineers. It was like God put these two guys in my path to confuse my perception of church. And so I want to honor Pastor Michael Hunley and Pastor Jake Schutte for being such an integral part of my journey. God bless you guys. Take a seat. We're going to get into this really quick. Full sin. Here we go. Hey, I, I really believe, um, I, I was driving over here and just uh, feel like I got a word from the Lord that tonight, for many of you, is a Gideon fleece moment. And if you don't know the, the story in Judges chapter 6, a man named Gideon um, just, you know, hiding in a, in a wine press threshing wheat, which you're not supposed to do, but he was terrified of all the bad guys that were all around him. And God comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's like, there's all the children of Israel and then out of all the clans, my clan is the, the, the wussiest clan of all those clans. And then out of everybody in that clan, I'm the wussiest in that whole clan. What do you mean, mighty man of valor? And God says, I'm telling you, I've got something for you. And then Gideon says, if it's true, I'm going to put a, a blanket out, basically. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to put a blanket out. And when I wake up, if that blanket is wet, then I'll know it's you. And so God's like, okay, sure, whatever. That's weird, but fine. And so Gideon wakes up the next morning, goes outside, and sure enough, the blanket is wet. But he says, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's wet because there's dew on the ground. So I'm not buying this. I'll tell you, we're going to do it a second time. I'm going to put the fleece out again. This time, if I wake up and it's dry, then I'll know it's you. God's like, sure, whatever. And does it. And I think what I want you guys to know is I want you to notice, like, God doesn't Everywhere you see doubt in the Bible, God is compassionate and answers doubts. It wasn't like he was like, Gideon, fine, you're not a mighty man of valor. I'm going to find another mighty man of valor. You're done. I'm done with you. See you later. John the Baptist comes to Jesus and says, are you the one or should we look for another? And he didn't say, screw you, John, done with you. He said, let me give you the evidence, you know, the lame walk, the blind see, da, da, da. And then goes on to talk about how John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of women. Everywhere you see doubt in the Bible, God answers it with compassion. And I feel like there's men that came here tonight, and, and tonight is a Gideon fleece moment where you say, look, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know where to go. I'm going to put a fleece out. And God, if, if you're real, I want you to do something. I'm telling you, he's going to do something tonight. Tonight is a Gideon fleece kind of moment. And so here in a, in a little bit, I'm going to talk for not very long, and then we're going to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do his thing, and I'm going to pray. And I remember a long time ago, I was brand new to the church, again, about 10 years ago, and I had another friend that was in San Diego with me, and was going through all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was a mess. Like, him and his wife were always sick, and all this crazy stuff always happened at their house. I mean, like, like to the level of, like, this is not normal. It was like, there's something weird happening in your home, bro. And I was brand new, didn't know a lot that was going on, and Dr. Matt, who knows Dr. Matt from... from uh, North Campus, San Marcos. San Marcos probably having, you know, they probably ate kale salad on their emerge night. Had some wild Alaskan caught salmon. Maybe a fine Cabernet. 
Come on, who, who, who enjoys some barbecue and some carne asada? Come on, somebody. We got to show all you El Cajon white boys how the Mexicans eat. Come on. And I remember Dr. Matt, um, he called me. He was like, man, I can't get your friend out of my, my mind. Um, and I just, I feel like, like we need to, there's something that, that I need to break off of him. Like, can we, can, can we get together for, for lunch, you and your, your buddy? And again, I'm brand new to the church. And even just the, what he was talking about, I was like, uh, that all sounds weird to me, but sure, you know, fine. And so I set up a lunch and me and my friend are sitting there with Dr. Matt. And I remember Dr. Matt talking to my friend who was going through all kinds of turmoil. And he said, my friend said, do you really believe that you can just, because Dr. Matt was like, look, just let me come over to your house and we'll just pray and we'll fix it. And I, my friend said, you're telling me you really believe that you can just walk into my house and say a prayer and it'll just kind of all work. And again, I'm brand new and I kind of I like look at Dr. Matt, I don't know the answer, I kind of look at Dr. Matt like, and Dr. Matt just was like, yes. And that's what's gonna happen tonight. You may be in here say, you really think that I can just show up here, hear some words and say a prayer and leave different? And I'm telling you, yes, yes, you can leave different. You will leave different. One of the things Pastor Jurgen talked about was getting in the fight. And I wanna ask sort of a, a precursory question before we start praying. It's hard to get in the fight if you don't have the weaponry, if you're not equipped, if you're not trained. And, and my question is, what are you carrying tonight? And I believe that there's some of you that are carrying things that you're not meant to carry. But then there's others of you that are not carrying things that you're meant to carry. And so my question for you is, what are you carrying? If you've got your Bible, I want you to come with me in uh, Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking, very important figure in the Christian faith, if you didn't know that. We're going to read verses 28 through 30. It's going to be on the screen. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is probably, on the surface, the worst verse I could pick for an emerged men's night, talking about rest and easy and light burdens. But anytime you come across something in the Bible, you have, to, you have to check its consistency across the full breadth of Scripture. And it's interesting because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke is what an ox wears around its neck. I'm an engineer. Pastor Jake's going to get this. It's a force transfer mechanism so that as the ox is pushing on the ground, the force goes to the yoke, goes to the plow or the wagon, whatever it's pulling, and pulls the thing. That's what it is. It's a force transfer mechanism. That's what a yoke is. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice, emerge men. Jesus does not say, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will remove your yoke. He doesn't say that. He says, I will replace your yoke. Every single one of us carries a yoke. Every single one of us is pulling something. 
Some of you are pulling baggage from your past. You're pulling shame. You're pulling all kinds of bad things instead of pulling the kingdom assignment that God has put on your life. Every single one of us carries a yoke. We're meant to pull heavy things. Come on, somebody. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The, one, of the, one of my favorite stories, the, the Apostle Paul, he was, uh, was called Saul and was on the Damascus Road and he was persecuting Christians. Most of you guys probably know the story. And then boom, he just gets hit with this bright light and he says, man, what, what is going on? I can't see anything. And Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says something really interesting to Paul. He says, why are you kicking against the goads? I was like, what in the world is a goad? Well, I'm going to tell you. I looked it up. A goad is a sharp stick that as an ox is doing its thing and there's a farmer behind him on a plow, when the ox stops moving, the farmer takes the sharp stick and just pokes him in the butt. Says, keep going. It's like spurs. And then what will happen is the ox will get super frustrated, and who wouldn't, getting poked in the hamstring by a big sharp stick So the ox gets pissed and just starts to kick back, but all it does when it kicks back is it just drives the goad deeper into its hamstring. And so Jesus says, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? The implication is, I have something for you to pull. I have an assignment for you. Why are you resisting? All you're doing is hurting yourself more. Every single one of us is meant to carry a yoke, to carry heavy things. But wait, you say, Why did Jesus say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Well, we've got a bunch of Mexicanos in here from East Lake Campus. So they're going to get this, all you white boys from El Cajon, you'll have to explain it to you, okay? In Spanish, there's a word called tocayo. Is anybody in here named Mike? Is there any other Mikes in the house? Yes, Mike Cassidy, my man Mike. So in Spanish, you would say, somos tocayos, which means we have the same first name, right? In English, we don't, that word doesn't exist. I would just say, sup, bro, we have the same first name. <laughs> that's, the, that's the translation. It's not a one-to-one. So in Greek, when, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, That word does not mean what we think of as easy. The only other time in the New Testament that Jesus used that word is when he's given a teaching on old wineskins and new wineskins. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to go into it. But he says, for no one, when they taste the old wine, wants the new because the the old wine is better. That word better is the exact same Greek word that's translated easy when Jesus says, my yoke is easy. I don't know if we've got any wine drinkers in here. I think everybody from my campus drinks tequila, and everybody from this campus drinks bush light, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but anybody that drinks wine knows that old wine is better because it's more rich. It's more flavorful. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, he's saying, my yoke is the, the, the burden that you sign up for when you choose to follow me, it's an adventure. It's rich. It's full of life. It's exciting. It's flavorful. That's what you sign up for when you decide, I'm going to pull whatever you have for me to pull. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if Jared Van Tassel and I were to ever go to the gym, which would literally never happen because I would not want my ego to be destroyed, But if we were, 
and we walked up to a bench press rig and both got under the same amount of weight, it would be lighter for him than it would be for me because he's stronger than me. Now, the weight itself is not lighter. It feels lighter to him because he's stronger. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, you have to ask yourself, is it consistent with Scripture that Jesus wants us to carry a light burden? He said, Paul said, my, uh, in your strength is made perfect in my weakness. He said that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's clear then that the implication is not that God wants to take things off of you to make it lighter. The implication is he's gonna make you stronger so that as he loads you up with responsibility, it feels light to you. That's what he's saying. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Coach Chris Brown's right here. Coach, can you just give everybody a little wave? Coach is one of my favorite people in the world. He was the uh, women's Olympic rugby coach um, for the, the sevens and Coach Chris and I used to work out together. I had to cancel it and break contract with that because there was an incident. We worked out in my garage, and, and listen, pastor's no slouch, okay? I can move some weight around. And Chris and I, you know, it's pretty, pretty equal on, on all the big, the big lifts, but Chris can bench press more than me. So one time in my garage, my son, out of 8 million times that we've been lifting weights, and, you know, I'm lifting the same or more than Chris, we happen to be bench pressing. My six-year-old son sees that Coach Chris is bench pressing more than me. He doesn't say anything. I didn't notice. Then later that day, I'm moving a piece of furniture, and I'm, like, having a hard time, and literally my son goes, hey, Dad, do you think you should call Mr. Chris? So I did call Mr. Chris. I said, we're done working out, bro. I'm done. <laughs> we're meant to be strong. You're meant to carry things. The call of every emerged man, of every Christian man, is not just hold on till heaven and just kind of skirt on by. You are meant to carry weight. God equates you to an ox, a symbol of strength that he wants to load up with responsibility and he's gonna give you the strength to pull it. And so I wanna go after just a couple of things really quick. And again, I think that there's some of you that are carrying things that you're not meant to carry. There's actually things that you need to cast off and others of you that are not carrying things that you're meant to pick up. And the first one, and Pastor Jurgen talked about it, is generational curses. And it's this biblical principle that the, the sins of the fathers are visited to the sons. And you may say, that is so not fair. How cruel of God that I'm held accountable for the shortcomings of my father. And actually, it's perfectly fair. If you think about it, God is a God of justice. And the, the iniquity of one generation, it can't just magically go away. Let's say that I borrow Jake Schutte's car, Pastor Jake's car. 
And I'm driving his car and he's been so gracious to let me borrow it. I'm in the Target parking lot. I back up and I bump into a light pole. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. I get out, I go look and there's sure enough, there's this huge dent in the bumper of Pastor Jake's car. I'm freaking out and I call him. I'm like, Pastor Jake, I'm so sorry, man. You let me borrow your car and I put a dent in it. I'm just freaking out. I don't know what to do. And, and, and it's, you know, it's probably gonna be like $2,000 to fix. Let's say that he says, I forgive you. The dent in the car doesn't just go and pop out as soon as he forgives me. The dent is still there. What is going to happen is now Pastor Jake is going to have to pay the $2,000 or when he sells his car, he's going to have to accept $2,000 less for the value of the car. The burden doesn't go away just because it's been forgiven. It just gets, it just gets the responsibility for it has just been borne by somebody else. And so, again, you can call it unfair as you want, but when your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather didn't deal with their dysfunction, it got passed to you. But guess what the great news is? The Bible says that you're a curse breaker in Jesus' name. Every single one of you can leave here without the things that plagued your father, without the things that plagued your grandfather. I remember... My dad, um, my dad died when I was uh, 19 years old. He um, died of an opioid overdose. He was, um, he, was a, he was a mess. And when I was six years old, he was having an affair um, on my mom and was actually about the age that I am now, which is really, really crazy. And um, honestly, my earliest memory was him and my mom physically, like my mom had one arm of me, my, my dad had another arm of me, and my dad was drunk and wanted to take me to t-ball practice. And my mom was like, there's no way, you're drunk, you're not gonna drive my six-year-old. And so my earliest memory of my dad was, was him yanking me one way and my mom yanking me the other way. And my dad um, had an affair, and, and it was a mess. And it's, it was, it was a, as a six-year-old little boy, was, I, didn't, I couldn't process it, I didn't understand it. And I remember as I became a man, I'd always felt that that was my portion, that I was gonna be a cheater because my dad was a cheater. And I even told my wife in, in moments of deep vulnerability, I would say, Katie, like, I'm terrified that one day I will cheat on you. And it's not because I don't love you, it's not because I'm, it's because it's my destiny. And I actually confessed that over my marriage. But that's a generational curse, the curse of infidelity that ran in my family line. And as I began to learn about these principles, I remember, anybody know Pastor Mike Connell? Pastor Mike Connell was here, this was years ago, doing a, a freedom night and just talking about all these things. And you know, I just like knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was talking directly to me. And then I knew what was coming and I was, Again, this is still early on in my church days. Everything about this church freaked me out. I was scared to literally do anything. And, and I remember, I was like, I know what's coming. He's gonna do the altar call thing where he's gonna tell everybody to come forward. And you know, most, here's what most happens. And this is what's gonna happen later. Some of you, I'm gonna call some of you out right now. You know, you're gonna be praying. And when I, when I ask you to come forward, you're gonna kind of go like this. <laughs> and if you see a couple other people go, then you're gonna be like, okay, cool, that's good. But I knew, I don't care if I'm the only person that goes forward. I want this broken off my life so bad. I was so desperate. And I remember the minute he said, if that's you, come, I just ran to the front. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I was freaking out. I thought, I was like, is this gonna be like the exorcism? Is my head gonna spin around? I'm gonna start throwing up? Like, I don't know. 
And so, you know, I see him like coming down the line like he's going to pray for me. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm freaking out. And then he came a little closer, a little closer. And then I was like, here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. And he literally was like, I break the curse of infidelity over your family line. I declare that you are a man of faith, of fidelity. In Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, and that was it. And I can honestly say that I have been faithful to my wife every day of my life. And I know, I know that I'm going to get to 60 years of marriage and be able to say the exact same thing. I have eyes only for my wife because I took the time and energy to break that curse over my life. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's alcoholism, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression. You'll, you'll know that you've made agreements with it when you say things like, oh, that's just how the men in my family are. We all have tempers. We all get anxious. We're all worriers. Oh, congenital heart disease runs in my family. That's you confessing this curse over your family line. We're gonna break it tonight in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? amen. And listen to me, if you say um, if you come here and, and don't believe that it can be broken in an instant, it's blasphemy. You're saying that what Jesus Christ did on the cross can, can help everybody else, but it can't help me. And what you're saying is that my issue is bigger than the cross of Christ. And we're gonna break that today I'm telling you, men, you're going to leave here freer than you've ever been. We're going to break some generational curses. And also, I, want, I feel like there's a lot of men that are carrying shame that you're not meant to carry. And uh, Dr. Brian Ricewig, who's um, a, a, a counselor that I think he's preached here before, amazing, was just at East Lake Campus last week and, and just had the most incredible insight on shame and the difference between shame and guilt. And guilt is behavior-driven. It's when you say, okay, I have done something that doesn't align with my personal value system. But you have the power to change that and say, now I'm going to, moving forward, not do that. And instead, I will make a different decision. That's guilt. And guilt, it's, it's what the Bible calls conviction, is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a, but shame is different. Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am something bad bad. And it is the lie of the enemy. Listen, I hate it when people say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And it sounds so pious, it sounds so humble, but it's not theologically correct. You were a sinner who was then saved by grace. Now the Bible says that you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, you are not a sinner anymore. You are a saint. You, you may say, oh, really? You don't know what I did last weekend. I don't care. Let me explain it to you. When I first moved here, I went to UCSD, and my wife and I lived in student housing, and um, we it was on the 805, and we would always go up to the Bressy Ranch campus at the time. So we'd go up the 805 when it merged to the 5, and we'd go do our thing, and we'd come home. And then as we were coming south on the 5, I'd always, you guys know the 805-5 split, I would always take the 805 split to go home. Well, then we moved. And we moved a little bit further in La Jolla, where I needed to stay on the 805, and we lived at the 805 in La Jolla Village Drive. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, for the first, like, eight months that we moved, when I'd go up to Bressy Ranch, when I'd come down, 
I would just be driving along, driving along. Dang it! I went down the five again. But I don't live down the five anymore. Now, how weird would it be if I actually showed up at my old apartment? That's called trespassing. It's against the law. You'll go to jail for that. But I had to, I had to remind myself, shoot, shoot, I don't live there anymore. I don't live there. I have to turn the car around, go back up, get da 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 And then again, I would be driving along, driving along, and then, uh, When you are saved, the Bible says that you are redeemed, that you are a new creation. But you are still attached to you, to this sinful body, this fallen bag of bones. And so what happens as a Christian is you will find yourself driving down the five. I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. I live somewhere else now. And so men, we're going to break some shame off of you tonight. Listen, it does not matter what you did. And the lie of the enemy, the lie of the enemy, it's the sneakiest thing, is he'll make you think you're the only one. Everybody else in here has got it all figured out. You're the only one that's truly jacked up. And I'm telling you, that is not true. Every single one of us has the same struggles, struggle with the same things. It doesn't matter. But the Bible says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. So we're going to break some shame off some people in Jesus' name. I want to just give one more analogy and then, and then pray for just how scandalous your faith is. Anybody that tries to tell you that, that Christianity is just like some worldview doesn't understand. I want you to imagine one time, this is a true story. Remember like a long time ago back when like thrift clothes were cool, you'd go to the thrift store and you'd find like really cool clothes that someone had had forever ago. That was like a thing like a hundred years ago when I was younger. And I remember one time I found this super cool like, like marine jacket and it was like a sergeant's jacket, like really nice, like made out of, of wool. And, and I found it at this thrift store, bought it for like 30 bucks. And I was out at this, I was literally like barely turned 21. And I was out at this bar wearing this Marine sergeant's jacket. By the way, I've never served the military. And this man across the room, this older guy, looked at me and just goes, so like, oh, maybe this guy wants to buy me a drink. That's, that's nice. So I walk over and shake his hand. And he goes, hey, what battalion were you in? And I was like, oh, no, 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 man, I'm not in the military. And he was, he goes, where'd you get that jacket? And I was like, oh, I just, I found it at a thrift store. And he looked at me and he was actually really compassionate. He was not condemning. He looked at me and he goes, if you don't take that off, you're going to get your ass whooped. And I was like, yep, okay, yes, sir. Now I want you to imagine, there's a point to that story. I want you to imagine you are guilty of a crime. You know you're guilty. There is no, no hiding it. Not going to get away from it. You know. You know. You're guilty. So you're going to the judge for sentencing, and you're just like, man, please, I hope this judge had a good day, and he's going to be nice to me. And So you walk into the courtroom just like, all right, let's get this over with. Come on. And then the judge says, hey, you know what? I forgive you. Oh, man. Be like, Yes. It's amazing. But then he says, 
But also, I want to bestow upon you the Congressional Medal of Honor. What? I mean, and then this judge gives you the highest honor in our country, reserved only for fierce courage on the battlefield in the, fa- in the face of grave danger. And you've never been on the battlefield, never been in the military. Can you imagine wearing that? That's scary. That's scandalous. People will be mad at you. That is the Christian faith. Every single one of us, unworthy, didn't measure up, not cutting it, and God bestows upon you, not doesn't just forgive you, but bestows upon you the highest honor in the universe, saying you are a son of God, adopted into my family. And you think that's not gonna make some people mad? You think that when you walk around and say, hey, I'm a child of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, on assignment to kick some devil butt, you think it's not gonna make people mad? Of course it is. Get used to it. That's how scandalous our faith is. And that's why you don't have to be filled with any shame because it's not about what you did or didn't do. You're guilty. Me too. But God says, doesn't matter because Jesus Christ paid it for you and now I give you the highest honor in the universe, son of God. And so cast off these generational curses, cast off shame and pick up responsibility responsibility. You know how you, the litmus test for responsibility? I can tell you, it's really easy. You'll know you're responsible. If you don't show up tomorrow, it means something. If I just decided to move to St. Louis tomorrow, didn't tell my wife, didn't tell my kids, it would impact a lot of people. It would destroy my wife. It would destroy my kids. My campus of 1,500 people would be in it would, it, would be, it would be a tragedy. People would be like, why did this happen? It's because I'm responsible. If I don't show up, it matters. And so my question to you is, are you responsible? Have you actually decided to shoulder things where if you don't show up, it matters? That's the Christian life. God says, I'm giving you a yoke. I am giving you strength to carry things. Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist, said, if you want to know the meaning that will sustain you through life, it is only found through the adoption of responsibility. And the greater the responsibility that you're willing to shoulder, the the more richly meaningful your life will be. He also said that the meaning of life is to find the heaviest thing you can bear and bear it to find the heaviest thing you can bear and bear it. You know what? Your wife doesn't, your kids, they don't want you to be perfect. Some of y'all, you don't know my wife. No, trust me. She doesn't want you to be perfect. You know what every woman wants? Every woman wants to know that no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how tight the money gets, no matter what befalls you, that you won't give up. That's it. That's what every woman wants. That is security. 
Security is not found in possessions, in wealth, in a 401k, in real estate holdings. It's grit that says no matter what happens, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. That's what responsibility looks like. So here in one second, I'm going to open up this altar. And if you know that you need to cast some things off, maybe it's a generational curse that's running your family line forever. Maybe it's kicking your butt right now. You can leave here free. Maybe every time you look in the mirror, you look away because you can't stand the person looking back at you. Maybe you're filled with shame. Think that if everybody knew what I really struggle with, they'd run me out of here. And right now, I don't care. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I don't care who's looking around. If you want it bad enough, you'll come forward. And right now, if you want to be free of whatever it is, I don't care. Whatever it is, I want you to make your way down to the front. Come on. Can we go ahead and get the rest of the worship team up here? And what we're going to do is... Um, I'm going to just pray over you guys. And the worship team is going to just sing a chorus, sing a bridge, whatever. And what I want you to do is just listen. Just listen. I don't even want you to sing. And so I'm going to pray a prayer over you, breaking the back and the power of these generational curses, breaking the back and the power of shame over your life. And when I say amen, the worship team is going to sing, and I want you to just listen. And I want you to listen to the words that God says about you. And you may, that may be weird for you. You may be like, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't really feel like I hear from God. Well, let me tell you how it works. It's a thought that enters your brain that you can't get to go away. That's what it means to hear from God. Maybe there's people out there that have heard the audible voice of God. Good for you. Hasn't happened for me. But I know when God speaks to me because I'll think something crazy and I can't shake it. No matter how much I try, it'll stay there. It'll stay there. That's how you know that the God of the universe has bent all the way down from heaven and is whispering something in your ear. So we're going to break the back of generational curse. We're going to break the back of shame. And then I want every single one of you, as you're listening to the words of this song, to make up in your mind, make a decision that I'm gonna be responsible. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you're an employee and you've been skating by at work. Be responsible. Have a Joseph spirit. Your job every single day as an employee should be to show up to work and say, I'm gonna make my boss as much money as I possibly can today. I don't care if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Doesn't matter. Because it's about you stewarding what's in your hand. You can't steward the next season. I want you to think about that. You can't steward the next season. You can only steward this season. Maybe responsibility means you need to go home and have a conversation with your wife, conversation with your kids, and say, hey, I know I haven't done it right. Get down on one knee and say, can you forgive daddy? Daddy's gonna do it better from now on. Take responsibility. Maybe it's planting yourself in the local house, in the church, and saying, I'm going to join a connect group. I'm going to sign up for a team. I'm going to go get pastoral care for things I'm working through. Take responsibility. Because I'm telling you, the more you're willing to shoulder, the more richly 
meaningful your life will be. So come on, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every man, every man standing up here, every man made in your image. God, you created Adam in the wilderness. You made Eve in the garden, but you made man, you made Adam in the wilderness. God, we're wild, untamable. But God, we've let ourselves be tamed by shame. We've let ourselves be subdued by generational curses. And right now, we break the back of those wicked things right now in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, I speak to every generational curse, every curse of alcoholism, every generational spirit of infirmity, of death, of suicide over every man in their household. And I cast it out right now in Jesus' name. You have no place in the lives of the men of God in this house. God, I speak to every spirit of alcoholism, of drug addiction. I speak to pornography, to lust, and I cast you out right now in Jesus' name. You, I forbid you to operate. I say get off of the lives of these men. These are free men, free men. I break the back of shame. God, every, every lie of the enemy, we silence his voice. Forbid you to operate in Jesus' name. The only voice that is permitted to speak to you is the Holy Spirit, is your Father in heaven, the sovereign King of the universe. God, we break the back of shame right now in Jesus' name. And I declare over every man, you have an assignment. God, I pray that you would open their eyes right now. Open their hearts, God, that they would hear from you clearly. Every distraction, we silence it right now in Jesus' name. God, man, I pray that they would see visions, God. They would dream dreams. I pray that when we get home tonight, they would sit around the dinner table with their wife and they would dream about the things that they're gonna do. They would dream about the territory you have for them to take. That they would dream about the legacy that they're gonna leave. That they would dream about the assignment you have for them. God, and we pray right now that the love of God, the love of the Father would wash over every son in here tonight, that we are not your servants, we're not your slaves, we are your sons. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody say amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.